Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Point Perspectives, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry, and all of us are professional illustrators. We've all worked for all the major publishers in the business. Together, we publish somewhere around 75 books, and we've all taught illustration at university art schools. That's right. Each week we come at you guys with different uh, listener questions and sometimes fancy pants interviews. Uh, sometimes we're going to argue, sometimes we're going to agree, but each time you're going to learn something brand spanking new. I think we should actually get fancy pants and wear those on interview days. <laughs> actually, am, nobody would know. It, it, nobody knows whether or not we're wearing fancy pants right now. We, we I, I'm wearing... We'd have to stand up and, and show our fancy pants. <laughs> I'm wearing my Liberace sequins uh, <laughs> pants right now. <laughs> Same. I'm wearing a prom dress from the waist down. I have no pants. <laughs> I mean, I have pants Will's, on. Will's getting fancy. <laughs> that is fancy. All right, we've got a ton of great questions today. Let's get right down to it. We could do we can uh, we can do our witty banter later on in this in this episode. First question is from uh, Carly Ann. She says, "I have an Instagram following. Now what?" Dear Jake, Will, and Lee, I've been fortunate to grow a decent social uh, media following since joining SVS, but I'm in an awkward stage where I've started to receive requests or collabs to be an ambassador, quote unquote, for products, but with kind of random brands. I've just been ignoring these requests when they're unrelated to my niche. For example, I got an offer to create a perfume line for free. I've also, Lee, you got a perfume line going right now, don't you? I do. It's in it's in um, it's, it's collaboration called, with Chloe Kardashian. It's called <laughs> Essence of No Shower. <laughs> it's called uh, Five Hours on the Pickleball Court. That's that's Will's that's Will's uh, <laughs> perfume. Yeah, a hint of pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll, our, our Carly Ann continues. I've also been contacted about watches, jewelry, leggings, dog collars. I don't even have a dog. I'm being offered free products, so it's not just their attempt to get me to resell their product at my own cost, but some of it does feel sketchy or spammy. Should I be taking them up on these opportunities since collaboration is a great way to grow, or am I right to stick to my niche? which is cute art and illustration tips. Mm. Are there other ways to collab or to get sponsorships and artists that you know of or recommend? Deeply appreciate your advice you do for all of us. Thank you, heart emoji, Carly Ann. All right, so your trust in your gut is right in this aspect. There's Everybody knows that the, the, the eyeballs right now are on the little glass screens that we hold in our hands. That's where all the attention is. And so advertisers are, advertisers are looking for every way possible to get in front of these. And chances are the emails that you're getting aren't even written by a, a human, mm. or maybe one was written by a human, but they automate these out and they send them, they have these lists of Instagram accounts with you know, 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers, or you could pay more and you can get a list of Instagram accounts with half a million or a million. And it just sends them out. And then they hope that somebody's like, yeah, I'll do it. And they send a product, which costs them, you know, hardly anything to produce because it costs, you know, 50 cents made overseas. And and they're hoping to get um, get you to, to just mention it in a post. Uh you, I mean, if it's something that you're into and you want to do, do it. But I think the best way moving forward is 
finding a, a uh, an organic partner that really aligns with with your with your brand and that's going to take some uh either you reaching out to people or just mm-hmm. sitting there and waiting for for someone to come to you but i i know in person you know my person personal experience is um i've done a couple of these things where it's not quite a match and it just it's just hard. I don't like doing it. I don't feel comfortable um, uh, sharing, you know, my thoughts on something that I that I didn't know about a week earlier. And well, the audience, the audience feels com- uncomfortable too. I mean, you got to know right. that if you're feeling that, they're going to feel it. There's there's a uh, a disc golf. Um, video maker and he follows these tournaments around and so i sometimes watch him on youtube and one of the sponsors is just like she's talking about that makes no no sense that it's a it's like a a dog collar (laughs) it's organic dog food actually it's funny that you guessed Mm -hmm. that and every time he tries to slip that in like hey that was a great shot by that guy Mm -hmm. by the way do you like organic dog food it just sound, every time it takes me right out of the experience, and and then yeah. it, it makes me not trust the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So your your right. trust is the only thing that you have, you know, for your audience, for the people that follow you, and and seeming like, uh, you know, the ability to grow. They have, people have to trust you, and if all of a sudden you seem like a sellout, which you will, if all of a sudden you're selling this and that mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with you, um, you're going to lose that credibility, and it's hard to get back. It, there's there's a fine line. I watch a lot of YouTube channels um, unrelated to illustration as well as related to illustration. And there are uh, people that do these, these long, you know, some advertisers make you do long form videos that are embedded in your video. And most people just, I'm, I'm assuming like they're like me that we just skip over them. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it doesn't relate to me. The, the, like, so, like one channel I follow, it's a it's a financial channel and he's pushing this video game and I don't play video games anymore. I don't have time. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, I know I'm not gonna I wanna help you because I really like you, but I'm not gonna watch this commercial because I'm not gonna play video games. So there's that. Yeah. But then there's another guy who like if I'm watching an illustrator and they're like, um, I've been using these pens forever. And then they, this company reached out to me. They found out I was using their pens and they, they, you know, this is a paid promotion thing. I might buy that pen because it's like, you're, you were already using it. You're already making this beautiful artwork and bonus land. You got a sponsorship from the very company that you were already using their product. That's credible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I watch a, I'll watch a financial channel where um, this guy gives great, I think great financial advice. And then Every now and then he'll do a whole video where I, I miss seeing the this is a sponsored video at the top, you know, mm-hmm. and his whole video is a, an infomercial for an investment. Uh, as soon as I find that out, I'm done. I yeah. love the guy. I'm like, I'm not going to watch your video because I cannot trust. I don't know if you invested your personal money. He says, well, he'll say, well, I'm, I'm invested in this co- company as well. Five dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Did he spend five dollars mm-hmm. on it? Okay, mm-hmm. so he's now invested. Technically, can't I can't take your advice? So, yeah, you 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 don't want to ruin your brand by making a partnership. And I think Carly Ann already knows this. She's very savvy. She's she's um mm-hmm. she was one of our students for a while, and she's got that she's got this amazing book called uh, something about cute. What is it? How to, How draw, to draw adorable. adorable. And yeah. um, 
And so that's what you should be pushing is promoting is, is your book and, and all different, you know, uh, everything having to do with that, how to draw adorable by Carly and tipsy. It's, you know, it's available on my website or it's available. If you got it on Amazon, put it on Amazon. But, um, and if she had money, if you see Carly, see, here's the thing about artists. We are creating the product, right? Mm-hmm. We are creating the product. That's that's the most amazing thing is that we don't. So Carly Ann should be looking for other people that draw cute and reaching out to them to 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 push her book on their channel. And it would go right along with they're drawing cute stuff every day. Good idea. Look mm-hmm. what I found this how to draw adorable. Now, of course, you got to have some money and and, uh, you know. It's, it's, well, it's you can a always do it with a, you can always do it with affiliate links, and and that's what I don't like is when companies reach out. Even companies that I would use, uh, they reach out and they, like Jake said, would give me a, a, a trinket in exchange for promoting it as something I use and I like. Mm-hmm. That's not an equal thing. Like, but mm-hmm. affiliate links are fantastic. If they said, "Hey, you promote this on your channel," uh, you know, here's a code to send them a link or whatever, and then for every one I sell, I should at least twenty five percent. Mm-hmm. You should get a tw- at least twenty five percent, and uh, I would have gladly done that. But this one watercolor company, which I actually like their product, they just gave me a little palette and a little sketchbook. I'm like, I'm not. I just did one post, and that was it. And I'm not, never doing that again. Also, um, don't be afraid to say, "Oh, sorry, you know, any sort of posts I do, I have like a, a five hundred dollar base that you know." If that essentially it's my get out of bed fee, right? Like right, you right. have to set this this base because they're they have budgets. A lot of these companies have an advertising budget and they're trying to get away not having to dip into that budget budget by giving away product. And you could just say, Hey, sorry, I don't do any uh promotions unless they're paid and and my you know my threshold is $500 or $1,000 or $1,500. You figure out what it is. And that's if you do want to, you know, engage with this, with this brand, if not, just ignore it. Um, mm-hmm. You don't, you don't owe it to anybody. And, uh, and I would just choose wisely who you, who you decide to to promote and, and work with. I, I used to get so many offers. I know you did too, Jake, with YouTube. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't take any of, I took early on, I took a, um, a stylus and I took a, um, a, a drawing monitor, the tablet, tablet the monitor, Huion? the Hueyon. Yeah. How'd and that Hueyon work out for you? It was actually Unova that oh, I did okay. a review on and, uh, it was, it was decent. Um, and, and it was a good fit for my channel because I was already drawing mm-hmm. on a Cintiq monitor. So it was a good fit to to review it. I don't have time. I got started getting a lot of other tech reviews and a lot of other tablet monitors and stuff that wanted me to review theirs. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have time to do that, to, to get it, to play with it, you know, set it up to play with it. I mean, this is a lot of time. They don't it pay is. enough. Yeah. No it benefit is. to you to do all that. And yeah. can I tell you, uh, I just remembered a nightmare story. I don't know if it's a nightmare, but it's just a pain in the butt story. Right. So this company reaches out, and they're like, hey, we've got these really cool LED light tables. Can we send you one and will you promote it? And I was like, I actually want a cool LED light table, like mm-hmm. a light box, right? Yeah. The thing is, you know, it's the it's the it's like the width or the 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 thickness of like a clipboard, you know. 
like from PE with mm-hmm. the coach holding the clipboard, right? <laughs> and it was 11 by 17 or a little bit bigger. And it uh, had a U- USB plug-in. You could plug it into your adapter or you could plug it into whatever. And and I I got it and I was like, oh, this thing, this thing's really cool. It works great. So I, I would use it to like trace over and I did some examples. I did a couple of videos and, uh, and I had a link up and I sent people to it. And a handful of people, uh, I don't know how many people bought it, but there was one, a friend of mine who, who bought one and it didn't work. If I remember the story correctly, it didn't work and the replacement one didn't work. And then they just ghosted her and they never like responded to any of her emails or anything. She never got her money back. And she was contacting me and she's like, can you contact them? Can you? (laughs) And they like this company vanished. Like, like they wouldn't return my emails or anything. So I was like, Hey, you know, I promoted this thing and your product is, you know, you're sending out like bad products. I need you to make it right with this person. Nothing got nothing back. So sometimes you got to do a little vetting before you go, go down that road. Yeah. Next question. All right. All right. I did a full color high res illustration for free as a test. Am I a fool? So this person wants to remain anonymous and they saw an ad by a small publisher seeking illustrators for YA books. They said, I reached out and got a response asking to do a test illustration for an unpublished story. It seemed weird that they were asking for a finished piece in 600 DPI, but I went for it because I was desperate. They replied several months later saying they loved it and they wanted me to do another test. Uh, I thanked them for the opportunity and said I can't accept unpaid work at the moment, but would be happy to do it for a fee. Something I learned from your podcast, they said. (laughs) Predictably, I never heard back. This got me wondering, however, how common is it for clients to ask for test pieces and how involved those typically are? And most importantly, should you get paid for test work? Thank you. 3PP is my number one podcast. Sounds like you got took for, for a ride there. I would watch out and see if your image is being published and sold on a book cover somewhere. Like mm. that is not uh, acceptable behavior. For no, a not at all. The three, yeah. the 600 DPI is for a, yeah. Why would they ask for high res? That makes zero I've sense. Been asked for a lot of test pieces, but never for high res. And yeah, that's a I red never flag. sent high res. I would always send 72 DPI. So I knew they couldn't print from it. Mm-hmm. Um, at a low size, pixel size as well. So it was enough for them to really see good on the screen, but that's it. And that is, boy, that is, that's a bad one. Yeah. But but she she doesn't say that that they printed it, just that they wanted it 600, right? It doesn't say that. that I mean, why else do you want that? They don't need it 600 DPI unless they want to steal it. We should talk about spec art because, you know, that's kind of what this is opening the door to. And should people do mm-hmm. spec art? Um, in the early days of your my career, I was asked to do spec art for real companies and mm-hmm. they want a test piece. They're nervous. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the amount of money they spend on books and other products is, is substantial and they want to know that you're going to perform well, it's weird that they can't look at your whole portfolio and, and get a sense of what you do. They want mm-hmm. this exact thing with this exact character. Um, but that's it. I just want to throw out there that it's not unusual to get asked that. Um, I sent a JPEG, um, I think at 150 
um, pixels per inch. So not quite high res, but not super low res mm-hmm. either. But these were the companies that I already knew. If I didn't know them, that's a that's a di- little bit different story. But if it's like Simon and Schuster asking for it or Penguin, you know, I, I just wanted to say that it's not a weird thing. Most companies will pay you for a spec piece. That's mm-hmm. the majority. Um, do you guys agree with that or? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's been been my experience. Is you'll you'll either get some sort of they have a budget for for test pieces, or you'll get you know if it's a, a piece that they ended up not, not using but you spent time on. There's like a kill fee that you can get, but that's usually after uh, you've signed a contract with them. Mm-hmm. One thing you could do, I just thought of something that you could do is send the full piece at 72 DPI. You know. Uh, essentially web resolution. And then if they ask for high resolution, send them half of it. So cut it in half vertically and send it half so they could see, <laughs> oh, here's how the brush strokes look up close. Here's here's what it looks like. And I'd be like, well, where's the other half? And you'd say, oh, if you want the full piece, you know, that's going to be my, my rate, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, my illustration rate. I like that. I have a foolproof way of deciding whether you're going to take spec work or not. Ooh. Okay. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the military rules on spec work <clears throat> because I have done a ton of it in the past. I don't do it much anymore because I'm working on my own projects and stuff, but um, I have gotten a lot of work from spec work. I've also not heard back on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been paid for, I, I, I this is going to be an estimate, probably half of it. Okay. Probably half of the spec work I've done, I got paid for. But my criteria for taking it or not taking it has been, do I have the time, number one? And if I have the time to do it, is it something that I can put in my portfolio? Is it something I'm going to be have a lot of fun doing? Like, this is an amazing opportunity to do a piece that I would have never done on my own. And I need I need to constantly make work as an illustrator, right? I got to make portfolio pieces, um, personal work. Can I use this for that? If so, then I would do it for free. If I'm going to get an, a rock and piece out of it that mm-hmm. I can uh, share on my social media, because that kind of work has often led to more work. I I can look back at my my older portfolios and go, this I did on spec. And I didn't get the spec job, but I got these other three jobs from people seeing it. The spec, right, whenever, right, right. whenever I whenever I would ask when someone when a client would um, would say, "Hey, we want to hire you for this," I'm like, "Hey, what what images did you did you like from my portfolio?" And they would send them over. They would email them to me. That way, I could know what part of my portfolio is working. But often, it was those spec pieces that got me work. Okay, right. So there's that. If it was something that I didn't want to do, something that was, I didn't know how good it was going to turn out. It was kind of weird, kind of out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yep. I need to be paid for that one if I'm going to do it. Cause I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to be able to use it for my portfolio. So I did, I did several, um, um, spec jobs for Hasbro and, uh, one was for a toy that, uh, you know, when you run it across the floor, the, you know, the sparking, toy you know the one that runs that i don't know what it's called jake would know what's that what's that that thing where you you know you like a car or something and then it like makes sparks when you run it across the floor 
Anyway, I can't remember. They've used that technology point. in a lot of different toys, but they were going to use it yeah. in this this new fangled one that looked dumb to mm-hmm. me. It wasn't it wasn't a good fit for me at all. But they were offering a pretty decent chunk of money for doing the the test piece, and it would have been cool to have it. My kids were at an age where if I had had that in like Walmart, they'd be like really jazzed because they were into stuff like that, you know. So it was like there were there were reasons. Um, I didn't end up getting the the job, but I got paid really well, and it didn't go in my portfolio. You know, I, I couldn't use mm-hmm. it, so it was it works. Then to me, that's that's how I always decided whether I wanted to do spec work or not. That's yeah, that's good. Um, it's a good metric to decide that definitely. Por- you 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 want to walk away with the portfolio piece every time, mm. at least you know. I tell you or, this, or, when you, when or a you, check. When you do yeah. decide to do that, because I've done that too, Will, where there's an assignment that like it looks pretty juicy. It's right in line with kind of what you want to do and make, and you can kind of picture the whole thing. Um, I got this offer to do this spec piece for this uh, YA novel, and I was going to be doing all the chapter heads and all all the you know all these interior illustrations. But the subject matter was awesome. It was about these weird ghosts that were inhabiting uh, London, like old time London. I mm-hmm. just couldn't. Oh, it was right in line with what I wanted to do. I did the spec piece and I was like, okay, here we go. And I just, every time I do something, even like winter entering the lottery, I always think I'm going to win. I I just, I mean, I guess everybody does, but (laughs) I just do the spec piece and I'm like, all right, give me the job. And then I didn't get it. And I was so crushed. (laughs) So once you get invested, it's, it's hard, hard to get out of that. But like you said, you did get the, you know, you get the piece out of it and, uh, and it kind of guides the direction of, it really changed, even though I didn't get the job, I started to think, okay, what kind of images do I want to make? Because that really got me excited. And I was like, okay, I paid attention to that part. And it, that can change your career. Those little kernels that are, that are kind of guiding you to the kind of art that you need to make. Yep. Cool. All right. Next question. Um, this uh, comes from Amelia. She says, how important is marketing for people who want to be full-time illustrators? We all know it's important to do good work, but how important is it to do good marketing and how much does this vary across different types of illustration? Thanks. I love the show. This could be three podcast episodes right here. (laughs) (laughs) But we talked about it a ton. Last uh, last episode was was all about... um, Is it too repetitive? Do we need to go into it? No, I just want to point out, go look up Samantha Cotterill. She's an episode we did last year. She's a working illustrator who has zero social media presence. She's deleted all of her accounts. Um, She doesn't spend time on social media, really, she said. She just instead subscribes to, what, 20 magazines, (laughs) and she reads those instead. Mm -hmm. So she just always has one. She's a delightful illustrator, great personality, like just... You know, personality in her work, personality in, in you know, it, just in the conversation that we had. And she's she's doing it because she has a great agent who's talking to the right editors and she has a good style that people want. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so she's not out there trying to sell prints of her work. She's not out there trying to, you know, self-publish or anything. She's just doing the 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 publishing thing and she's doing great. You got other artists like, um, you know, I, I think of like 
Kazuo Kibuishi. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's got a very successful book, but that's all he does is he focuses on his book series, and he's made it really, really great. And he's had the the some luck there as well of good timing and having great publisher backing him. So you have that extreme where you have hyper success on, with Kazoo. Mm-hmm. You have Samantha, who I wouldn't say is like selling millions of copies of a graphic novel, but she's getting solid con- continuous work as an illustrator. And I think it's, it's possible. Um, it's important. I think that your marketing efforts be, if you just want to be an illustrator that's not worried about social media, that you're you do put time and effort into building your network of people in the industry who can make the decisions to to hire you or to talk to the people that do the hiring. And so that might be that you spend some time on LinkedIn. That might be that you go to in person events, you know, SCBWI events where you get to know these people in person. Uh, whether they be agents or editors, things like that, and you and you work you work it that way, and and I think that's a, a reasonable way to go. What do you guys think? I gotta say that there's there seems to be like you, you could do case studies on let's say f- three or five different types of illustrators, right? Because it's such, mm-hmm. that's why it's such a broad term. And that's why I say it could be three or five um, podcast episodes because. If you take the the illustrator that um, you know wants to create their own brand, their own product line, and and market their own products, mm-hmm. they they're probably going to have to know a lot about learn how to be a good marketer, right? Yeah. And then if you take someone who is just breaking into the business and they don't want to um, create their own products, but they want to work for clients. Right. That's a that's mm-hmm. another person, the entry level person. They're going to have to be pretty good at marketing their work to get noticed. Right. And then if you take the illustrator who has been well established over time and is creating decent work, but definitely not the best, let's mm-hmm. say a level eight or seven or eight illustrator. Right. In the you know, if you ranked everybody one to ten. Uh, and you you could rank on metrics. I mean, it could get really complicated, right? You could like, how fast are they? How reliable are they? How good at narrating concepts are they? Mm -hmm. How good technically are they at, you know, at showing academic characters? Are their characters appealing to specific markets? Um, But let's say they're a level seven, they're probably going to have to learn how to do good marketing because their work isn't good enough to constantly beat out the competition, but if they can get their work in front of enough uh, people that hire, you know, art directors and editors, then by by sheer numbers, they'll be able to carve out a career because they're visible enough to enough people. And then you take the illustrator who is a level 10, you know, someone like I would say is a Jim Madsen who doesn't mm-hmm. market at all and doesn't mm-hmm. have to. He gets assignments from his rep. He gets too many assignments from his rep. He can't do them all. And he, there's, he has a wait time almost always where, and, but he's super fast. He is super, um, I mean, he, his competence level on, on illustrating is exceeds 
almost any, anybody that I know. Yeah, and he's incredible. Uh, he, he doesn't have to do any marketing because his rep uh, just gives him the jobs. You know, the rep has the website. Clients know they can go to that rep to find good work. They always see Jim's stuff standing out. And they're try always trying to get his time and trying to buy his time. They're all fighting over his time. He the just works. The craziest thing about Jim is he defies everything you expect an artist to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he is, you look at his work and you're like, oh, I know exactly who this guy is. You know, I can just, by looking at his work, I can tell, you know, what you know what he has for breakfast what he does on the weekends <laughs> uh you know i know what he does for fun right mm -hmm. and then you actually meet the guy and know the guy and it is exactly the opposite and, <laughs> so, and funny. so yeah so that's just one of those funny things i worked with him we we worked in the art department together at imagine learning for a year and uh i shared an office with him and he's a super cool guy but you know every time I was just like, you were not the, I just didn't expect, didn't expect that. Anyways. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah. Let me, so, uh, let me add a little something to, to that. I, I, this is going to mm -hmm. be some tough love for our audience, uh -oh. but I want <laughs> I wanted to, up. I wanted to kind of elaborate on what Will was saying a second ago, because he's totally right. Um, even though uh, David Hone says we don't argue enough, so I need to find something to argue, <laughs> argue about, but on this kind of stuff, man, it's, we've seen, we've seen enough, um, sample size, I guess, where that's why we tend to agree on this stuff. Cause we've all been teachers mm -hmm. for so long. I used to tell my students that your success, like I, gra I graded for real. Like if you turned in your work on time and mm -hmm. it was of average level, that's a C. It doesn't mean it's an A because you turned it in and it looks good. A means, you know, substantially better than most people. Mm -hmm. And so once students got used to that, they kind of liked it because it was real. And then I would tell them that your, the difficulty of your career will be, will line up exactly with where you're falling within your skill range. So if you're an A, you might think like, oh my God, this is such an easy career. I mean, because I didn't give many A's, you know, out of a 20 mm -hmm. uh, person class, maybe three people got the A's. Those people, those three people are going to find the career a lot easier. They're not going to have to market like Will right. was saying. They're already that good. Good will always find work. I mean, we look at, and now that doesn't mean that good people don't have to market. Like you look at like a lowish, which we've talked about a bunch. She's fantastic. If she wasn't doing so well on Patreon and with, and Kickstarters and all that stuff, she would still be monstrously successful. She could just do um, <laughs> client work. She's... She could just do client yeah. work and never just have to market her. and just put right. her head down. She'd earn a lot less, but she'd have know. a full I don't plate. know about that. I think she'd be equally know. successful. It would just be in a different way because she's so good. Uh, well, um, she's leveraging the market though. Like she, you know, she's able she to sell. She, uh, she I mean, when you create products, there's no, no limit to how many of them you can sell. So that's why I say right. her potential right. in that area to me is so yeah, if you're a plus level, like lowish, you're going to get work no matter what you do. It doesn't matter at all. And then, cause reps are going to be all over it. You just say, Hey, I want to rep. And then there'll be mm -hmm. 10 of them at your door. Um, then you go down to the a level, you know, lowish is like a plus and then you go to the a level and they're just like average, really good pros. They're going to get, mm -hmm. be pretty successful. Um, and then you go down to the B's and those people are going to be the ones who have to work and, and, and really market, understand their niche under, you know, understand where they fit in the market and then really cater to this and that. Um, 
they're going to have more struggle. And then people that were at the sea level and below won't get work at all. Mm-hmm, right. And so that's just kind of the way our industry works. It's the way any industry that's skill-based works, like professional sports, professional musicians, um, you know, professional creative. Well, think people, of, think about athletes. some some brands like that never advertise. So like In-N-Out has never spent any money on advertising. Yeah, that's true. Um, never why? I never, thought, I never thought about that. Because, I mean, because they, they nailed their product. You know, Trader Joe's doesn't spend any money on on advertising. And the better your product is, the less you have to market it. It sells itself. Mm-hmm. So that that's really one of our um, pieces of advice we've given to students is, you know, spend your time honing your craft and your craft isn't just the drawing and painting part. It's the thinking, it's the, the concept, storytelling, yeah. it's the storytelling. It's like, yeah, I, I often point to Piper Thibodeau, um, who is, you know, she's this, um, um, illustrator out of Canada and she lives in this tiny town way up North in Canada. And, you know, how could she become a super successful illustrator living where she does and it's because her work is so good her her ideas are so good she started doing a daily paint on twitter and instagram and it and she just kind of blew up where clients found her from all those social media posts and you could call that good marketing she just put her head down and and said i'm going to make a painting every day um using these uh creative prompts that was uh, i believe was sketch dailies that she was using Mm -hmm. at first and um, so she got to do what she wanted. She was getting work while she was in school. Um, her teachers were giving her crap because they wanted her to do their assignments and she was really busy doing client work. And, you know, and anyway, I, I had a conversation where she asked me, like, should I, um, should I finish school or, or do client work and just lean into that, you know, which was the question I couldn't answer for her, but. But um, I mean, that's a good problem to have as a student, right? And yeah. it was because her work was yeah. so good. Yeah, All right. Please. So, yeah, focus on quality and and also depends on what you want to do uh, as an illustrator. Next question from Leo. Subject, what do they need to know? Okay, so he says, hello, Will, Lee, and Jake. First, I, it's always interesting to see, interesting to see who they put first in the, in the intro. Like, is it going to be Lee first? Is it going to be Jake? Is it going to be Will? We know who they really wanted to talk to. Anyways, uh, I'm not a student of SVS Learn, but I have loved listening to your insights into the career of illustration. However, I am a high school art teacher in Southeast Iowa, and I'm working on developing a beginner's illustration class as a part of my curriculum. And I was wondering if you could provide any insight into what you would like all of your students to have an understanding of before coming to you as college and online instructors. Mm, any insight that's such would be a great. Question. Yeah, that's what, a, this is, what should this they is be dream, learning in high school? This is a dream art teacher in high school. For real. Uh, Yeah. For real. Um, Right off the bat, I would say the the fundamentals, obviously, they're going to need perspective. They're going to need to understand um, light and shadow, composition, um, all those things. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and and should we name them off specifically? (laughs) Like, what what the... can we, can, what if we each tell our, our, um, most important thing that we wish our students had? Yeah. Outside of fundamentals, right? Sure. Right. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Will. Well, do the fundamentals first then. 
Okay, so the fundamentals. <laughs> Tell me if I miss any. But um, perspective, mm-hmm. light and shadow, mm-hmm. some understanding of color theory, though that that's like a lifetime pursuit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems like um, uh, some understanding of anatomy and how to how to draw a gesture, a character in a pose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, composition an understanding of, of how to compose a piece so that there's focal point and there's you know um, uh, sort of re- rebrand composition to encompass design i mean being a good design. designer gets mm-hmm. you so far more more than all those other things that jake just mentioned in my opinion good design will trump all that other stuff mm-hmm. we, um, we basically we want the style. high school art teacher to do our job so we don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> Okay. Well, we want to we want to be able to reinforce it. I mean, that would be the best case scenario. If by the time you got to us, you're hearing it for the fourth or fifth time. Mm-hmm. That's when right. it really starts to sink in, and you get the nuance of it um, versus just the big. I, I mean, I can't stand giving a perspective lecture where I'm starting with, oh, this is a two point perspective box. Like right. it would be so much better if I was like, this is a complicated curved form in two point perspective. That would be such a better lecture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are the foundations. Well, yeah. what would be the thing? I found that myself when I when I went to school uh, mm-hmm. in ninety two. Uh, when did I go to school? Yeah, in ninety. No, I graduated in ninety two. Didn't graduate, but finished yeah. ninety. Really in, important in, detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, in eighty seven or whatever when I started, um, I couldn't. But the teacher would give an assignment. And I, I, an illustration assignment, and I couldn't draw anything mm-hmm. out of my head to even start mm-hmm. roughing something out on paper. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I've used this example a lot. I got the assignment to, to do one illustration that represented a nursery rhyme and she assigned them out and I got, um, old King Cole was a merry old soul, blah, blah, blah. You yeah. These fiddlers, fiddlers three, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know how to how to gesture a, a king versus a little fiddler or something. You know, like I, I couldn't start anywhere. So I went to the library. I got a children's book on Old King Cole. And there were all the answers there. So I just copied the characters in that book and passed it off as my own. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to plagiarize. I really didn't. Yeah. But I didn't know how to do, this was our first illustration class. There was no help. And it was like, okay, so this is your first assignment. And we want to see sketches in a couple of days. So I come back and I've sketched this thing out and, and, and she loved it. And the whole time I'm feeling like <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just copied this, someone else's, some other illustrator's illustration. So what I did was um, I had a class at uh, UVU that was called um, Imagination and Visual Literacy. And it's a long story, but I ended up creating curriculum for myself for solving this problem. Because I was getting kids coming in from high school and I would have them draw. I would, sometimes we would draw from reference. Sometimes I would say, hey, can you, I want you to put all the reference away. And I just want you to draw like, you know, a school bus. And I would give them a little prompt or something, but I want, you know, a bird's eye view looking down on the school bus and just to kind of test them out. And most of them couldn't come up with anything. They couldn't, Mm -hmm. they couldn't put a camera, 
imaginary camera above a school bus and make it look like a school bus keeping any kind of Mm -hmm. some some did okay with it but most couldn't and i i saw myself there and so then i would work on like okay how do we break that school bus down into a a wreck you know a a, a, is it called a trapezoid (laughs) a uh i don't know know, a three-dimensional whatever that is yeah three (laughs) three dimensional rectangle and how we can manipulate that and move the camera around all different places underneath of it everywhere so being able to rough out something from your head, mm-hmm. finding a shape and manipulating it in space is, to me, very important to be able to convey ideas and to be able to start thinking yeah. in a thumbnail, right? Sketch to be able to just start for something. So that's mm-hmm. a skill that I wish that I had had, and it. I don't think it takes that much. It just takes practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say the big thing is being able to recognize why something is interesting before painting a full painting about it. I mean, it's one, one of the little series that we're doing here at SVS is how to fix your mm. art. And we were doing corrections on some of them the other day. And those are on YouTube when we're doing them live, but they're available to our subscribers. And they can watch these videos. Um, but one of the things we were talking about in the last one is, is okay. You made this illustration. There's a whole scene here. There's cars and people and buildings and the whole thing is just not that interesting. Not not because of how you drew it, just because of what you drew. Like I couldn't make that scene more interesting. And I don't think any of it. Right. I mean, we're we're three pros here. I don't think any, right. any of us would have drawn that scene. And so just backing up and saying, what, why am I making this piece of art? What am I trying to say? Uh, and what am I trying to convey? Right. And why why is it interesting? And right. I mean that that'll eliminate like ninety percent of the amateur art out there because you don't know why somebody's drawing something the way they're drawing it. Um, because, because we end up seeing you and I, we've all had this discussion. We end up seeing pieces of art that are making a statement that are saying something (laughs) extremely boring. And they've spent, they spent, you know, 20 hours saying something really boring. (laughs) Right. It's like, and I've used this analogy, like, Hey guys, I got, I got (laughs) to tell you something. Yeah. I got the, I've heard this really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, right. It's a it's a school bus driving down the road, and you guys <laughs> you guys are like, what? <laughs> that's that's what some people's illustrations are. It's just that yeah, hey. that boring. Right. <laughs> here's yeah. a here's a, uh we we got one of those illustrations. Um, when was it last last week for how to fix your art? It was actually pretty pretty well re- rendered, but the story was, um. It just showed a girl late for something. She obviously was late and running from her car to something. Mm-hmm. But there was no like context for what it was. Was it school? Was it job? Was it something else? What was going There's, to happen? There was nothing that showed why she was late or right. the consequence of her being late. You know, and that's that's what you... So, yes. Okay. So, Lee's is uh, some sort I'm of storytelling. Sorry. Will is draw from some sort of being able to draw from imagination. Mm-hmm. Mine would be, I would like them coming into college, having done at least 20 master studies of mm. whatever it is, the Love profession that. that they're, they're wanting to go into. Uh, you know, if it's, if they want to be a comic artist, you know, here is a full page that I copied and and learned and studied from by Jim Lee or by Mike Mignola or, or whoever. If they're wanting to get into 
animation industry as a concept artist. Here's 20 master studies of visual development pieces that I've that I've done from you know these art books, right? Um, it's the it's akin to a pianist or a violinist just learning how to play uh, a, a, an already written piece by Mozart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they could sit down and they know what all the notes are and they've done the scales to support that. And, and they could play that piece flawlessly and maybe even add a little bit of their personality to it. And because that's great that you could do that, but if you want to be a professional musician, um, oftentimes you're going to be required to write your own music or to make your own music. Mm-hmm. And as a professional illustrator, that's all it is. You're not, nobody wants to see 500 Mona Lisa's from you. They want to see the <laughs> next thing. They have an idea and they want you to, they want you to do it. And so, um, and so I think you need to have that practice having gone through, you know, and understand what makes a piece work and then, uh, apply that to the to the uh, to their their the, whatever they're creating next. Do we have a master studies class at svslearn.com? No, that would be that would be a good one for our curriculum. Um, That's yeah. something I would lo- I would about. love to make that class be- because we have developing mm-hmm. great visual stories and we have um, visualizing drawing and perspective, which are the two that Lee and I talked about. But Jake, you're you don't have a class to represent your. Yeah, I need to like, hey, you guys just go take this class. How do you, how to do a master study? You know, another um, class I wanna I wanna do that we we absolutely should do because I was just talking to a friend of mine this week, and he spent like the last three days working on this, and I've also spent, um, you know, a good chunk of my week last week working on this, and what it is is a class on how to pitch an idea, how to present an mm. idea to a publisher or to an art director or to an investor or whatever. How do you present your work? How do you build a pitch deck? How do you put together a, a good solid presentation of your work specifically for pitching an idea? And I can attest that Jake has done some amazing ones that I've been privy to see and that would be a great class. Yeah. That's so, a valuable thing. In fact, most I bet most illustrators have never heard of a pitch deck before. Mm-hmm. Most of our listeners probably haven't. Yeah. I hadn't de- until you did need, it. Definitely got to make that a, a class. That would be fantastic. Can I give people the three steps to doing a master copy? Yeah. Let's hear it right now. The three <laughs> steps. These are my recommendations. See what you guys think if maybe there's more. But the main three is do the master copy and and don't just half-ass it. Can we say that on on air? <laughs> it needs yeah. to be. It needs to be. My criteria in my classroom is I shouldn't be able to tell the original from your copy. That's how close I want it to be. And then the next step is study what you learned. Like, okay, here's and then break it down to the different elements. Here's the value pattern. Here's mm-hmm. the how they use strokes. Here's how they used edges. Uh, you know, all the stuff, what's it, what's all the components of it. You need to break it down. They used more, they used high contrast. They used a lot of perspective or they used no perspective. They used design or didn't use design, whatever. Um, and so break it down like in written words, like with arrows pointing to it, look how they did this, look how they did mm-hmm. this. And then try your own version of it using those qualities that See, you learned. When, in, in our school, we had a an assignment of the, the postage stamp one. 
mm-hmm. where you where you copy a postage stamp and then you mail yourself a letter and if it gets to you gets to, or mail it to the teacher if it gets <laughs> to them you pass <laughs> that assignment if not you fail so they that. realized that um, that's kind of like stealing that's theft you know because yeah, you're using it go to jail <laughs> but but the thing is you're rightly and I um when I was teaching um, acrylic painting class and oil painting class and I um. I'd have I'd have students copy reference sometimes I'd, I'd project reference on uh, the from the projector and say I want you to paint that as closely as you can in the time that we have you know and I would have students that would be done in an hour and they'd be like is this is this good enough you know is this good enough and I had to like I had to try to educate them like number one you can't do this in two and a half hours of our studio time you won't mm-hmm. be able to do it but even even saying that i'd have students like i don't know what else to do they'd come up to me i don't know what else to do i'm i'm like an hour in and i don't know what to do i'm like well does it look exactly like the thing projected well kind of you know like i'm like and, and so <laughs> i i don't know if they I, I i never i don't know if they didn't like the assignment and they just wanted to be done and do something move on to something else but I found out that a lot of students don't have the ability to 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 focus in and just put their head down and work hard, and that's a skill that is developed over time. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I would have been one of those students, by the way, who would have come up and said, "Is this good enough?" <laughs> I, I was so ADD when I was in school, and I, I just I couldn't work on an illustration for more than a half an hour or an hour, and then I was done. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. And, Okay. Hopefully that answers Leo's question. I, I'd, I'd like to get a follow-up after the semester's over to see how it went. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll finish out this episode with, uh, is my work good enough for this market question? And this comes from uh, Emily. And she says she's an illustrator artist, and I'm just starting on my journey towards editorial and middle grade illustration. Over the last few months, I've been working on new pieces for my portfolio in order to have suitable art for these markets. Illustrating book covers, chapter, and graphic novels would be my dream place. But I wonder if my illustrations are good enough. So you guys want to pull up her um, Mm -hmm. portfolio there, you can. I consider myself a beginner. I have a lot to learn and incorporate into my compositions but I'm working hard and practicing daily and learning constantly. I deeply appreciate your professional advice and critiques. Um, so yeah, so she just wants to know, is this, is, is she good enough yet or uh, is she insecure and, and it's, it's fine or does she need to work on it? So let's pull it up. I'm going to. I think to you could do, you could, you could answer her chair. question. Yeah. On those, uh, the two pieces of the witch in the bedroom. And mm-hmm. uh, just are get, you on your Instagram account? Yeah, is that what you're looking at? Okay, mm-hmm. so go to isamej.art. So i s a m e j dot a r t. You can check this out, or go to my our YouTube uh, video of this, and you can you can see here. So the witch in the house image, this one, right? Mm-hmm. But well, there's two. There's one that where you're looking in from the window with mm-hmm. the roof. Yeah, that one, and then there's the uh, the other one that looks like this it's the right same story. Is it uh, is it down farther? Yeah. Oh, this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay, there. from inside inside the room. Yeah, yeah. So we so we have I just to describe her style. I would say it's kind of like a classic 
um, illustration and a Mary Blair. There's a Mary Blairness to it, but also a contemporary um, Emily. Uh, what's her name? Um, Rebecca. I'm <laughs> like I'm scanning through the people we've we've had on. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, we actually interviewed her. What was shoot? Lee, you and me interviewed her. <laughs> she Would lived in Japan, and then and then moved to. Oh, are you talking about Rebecca Green? Yeah, Rebecca Green. So there's a little bit of that with a little bit of Mary Blair mm. in this style. I would say, just just to describe it. Rebecca Green's go back and check out that interview. That was that was a really good, really good one. She does a great um blog post every month as well. But okay, what what is your critique here, guys? Is she good enough? No. I mean and the and and the yes or no answer is harsh because you know it's like she, okay, I, no. I would say not not yet. Not um, yet. Yeah. Because if it there's like the you know, the group that you just showed is like the 20 posts at the top of the page. And then it, once you go like 20 posts down, it is like an entirely different person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and which it should be. She's yeah, a, she's that's exploring. Happen all the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. when you when you look at a person's career, let's say you could see, you know, an anthology of every piece of work every artist ever did. You you would if you took the top illustrators and you went all the way back, you would you would all always get to this, right? Mm -hmm. You would always distill down to exactly what this looks like. And when when teaching at university, I have my students come in, see their portfolios, and we all start here because we're right. exploring. And this is where you should be. She just hasn't um, done enough work. This is Emily, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she she just. She, you, you, Emily, you just need to do a lot of work. There's a lot of work to get to where you want to be, and it's just it's just a matter of doing it, um, really, and 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 paying attention to certain things. We could give you, you know, like that, like the top one where where we're looking in the other one where we're looking in from the window outside. Um, th there's some definite perspective problems, which are you know. Um, which are apparent when you look at this piece um, and you, you know, you couldn't see the floor from that angle. And so I understanding don't, I don't how mind to, that though, like if, if, I mean, if it's that style, that kind of quirky style, I mean, to do that mm -hmm. all the time, but, but the more, the problem is, is how this piece goes together, not necessarily one element per se, but how mm -hmm. it all comes together. It looks like she's like, okay, I'm going to play with texture. I'm going to play with uh, forced perspectives and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but it's just not, um, coming together but see uh, I, what, what my contention would be is you wouldn't make a drastic decision like this with your perspective you can you can break the laws of perspective in a way that that communicates mm -hmm. this does this creates a, a situation like where, a the, portal. where the viewer yeah, right. has to, is looking at an image on the side of a house versus looking in no that's true and and so the, you the, would the pose of the main character is rough too and so there, but remember when it was trendy to to show the top of a pot and you'd mm -hmm. see an ellipse and then to show the bottom flat. Mm -hmm. I, do do that. You I, do, I still do that. <laughs> right. And that, and that is fun. And it works because it's usually in an environment where you're like, Oh, that's drawn kind of primitive and wonky, you know, Yeah. Mm -hmm. we still know it's a pot, but with this, it's so wonky that it's, it's not, I don't believe it's intentional. And maybe it is. I, I don't know, but if it is, it's too, it's too much of a stretch for the viewer. So that's one thing that I would point to. 
and I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of other things that we could we could point out that you could work on. There's also a it's, lot of great things that are working too. Yeah, I was going to say it's like this roof design excellent. Mm-hmm. This character design great. Not a good pose, but a great character design. What would Cat you do design. different? What would you do different on that pose? Well, number one, like it's it's about her and this uh, wand, and mm-hmm. it's the wand is like obscured by the the middle. Um, uh, support for the window, right? So mm-hmm. I would have that, like her full arm coming across so we could see the whole thing, probably some magic coming from the tip of the wand. And then her pose would be um, not so symmetrical, but but something that shows, um, you know, a little, just a little bit more uh, motion to it. Like mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's thrusting or she's, She's like, you know, giving this uh, this wand a little bit more energy behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's like all these components by themselves, great, but they've been put together in a way that it's like mm-hmm. it's it's just not not quite gelling. I think I think she is, you know, I want to say like twenty pieces away from having really figured out her style and how and how all these elements work 20 of these yeah. kind of pieces I, I, away I, from I, it. I agree jake if i had to tag her uh, with a kind of a label i would say this is a person to to watch yeah mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she's cooking all the ingredients are kind of bubbling around right she just hasn't yeah. found the right dish yet but mm-hmm. when she does and she's close yeah this is going to come together and be magical and so yeah, she's good yeah. All the parts are good, just the, the the hole isn't there yet, but it's coming. This is somebody definitely to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, this works a little better. Maybe it's just cropped weird. <laughs> if you go well, under... Like, uh, you know, the, that bedroom scene, the interior is better because it's kind of wonky. It's done in isometric perspective. Kind of mm-hmm. wonky, but it's all look, it all looks well-referenced. Um mm-hmm. It doesn't seem weird, kind of like Will was saying, looking into that flat view right. of the exterior. It works, works a lot better. Yeah, and so she's hitting it on some of them, and some of them aren't. And like Will said, that's exactly where she should be. She's she's playing with the style. She had this very realistic style, even up to, it looks like, a, about a year ago, year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and then switched to this kid-lit style. So there's a whole different kind of set of ingredients and a different mark-making, a different language that she's exploring. And it's going to look hodgepodge for a little while until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to, like I said, she's going to find one piece. It's going to make sense. And then uh, the rest is going to be amazing. Go back yeah. up. That pet cemetery one is pretty fun. Yeah, that's nice. This right here. Yeah. Go down uh-huh. to the go down to the black and white. That's the black yeah. And that's white that's one. the best piece she has probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, Lee's going to say that. It's, it's, yeah, it's for those listening. Most likely white we're, style. <laughs> we're, our YouTube is Society of Visual Storytelling. Most of you are probably not on. Tell me not which able one to even is better than that. Talking about. Tell me which one's better than that. That is the best <laughs> piece. That of, that's you. the most cohesive piece she has. I think because her her sense of color is a little bit off, and she's not adding yeah. that much. That piece was black and white, so it limited how much ingredients like she was this. using. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff right there too. I like this too. That's a good mm-hmm. ghost. All right, we good. I'm gonna I feel give like one Emily's last, got some direction. Can I give one last little piece of advice? This is a, has nothing to do with Emily stuff. I there's a lesson that I fail to learn every single day, <laughs> and I tell myself don't do it. And that is, 
never set your coffee cup next to your mouse. <laughs> I knock my coffee over every single day. You'd think I would learn to move the cup onto the other side, but no, I just set it right down. I next to my mouse, I knock it over, and then I spend twenty minutes cleaning it up. But if you have here's, one of those waterproof mice, <laughs> here's mice? the trick: is, is learn to drink with your opposite hand. <laughs> And then you're always going to set it down with that hand and not your mouse hand. That would be better. That would see, never that would knock. be a smart person. I'm more careful than you guys. I don't knock anything over. Well, no, but here, if you guys could see this, the top of my coffee mug <laughs> is bigger than the bottom, so it fits in my car holder, yeah. which is the worst design ever. It's it's top heavy. <laughs> Why don't you get a different mug? A desk huh? mug. You've seen those yeah. desk mugs where it's like a pyramid, the suction cup, you know, like a cone. <laughs> That would be that would be way because I'm I'm a sipper and so I drink my coffee like it takes me like five hours and so I'm just carrying it around throughout my day. I drive my son to school. I have it set in the thing. You still have your morning coffee at four in the afternoon. I do. I do. <laughs> All right, everybody. Anyway. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Three Point Perspective is made possible by SVSLearn.com. We're becoming a great illustrator. Starts. It's also made possible by our Patreons. Uh, our patrons, not our Patreons. Um, if you go check out Three Point Perspective Patreon, you can get access to our monthly pro tips where we each individually share what we're working on, how we're working on it, and like little tricks and ideas that just make our lives easier as a working illustrator. So I would say those tips and tricks are maybe the worth the price of admission for that plus on top of that you get access to our patron only live streams which we do once a month you get access to our patron only um, hotline so we do an episode we did an episode last week where it was our hotline questions and we got um, those people asked their questions the day we recorded the 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 um, or the the day before we recorded it Oftentimes, the, like the questions we read today lived in an inbox for a couple months or more. So if you need an answer right away, become a patron, go to one of those, um, one of those uh, uh, live streams or episodes that we're doing, and you're going to get a question answered ASAP. All right. Your hosts today have been Will Terry, Lee White, and Jake Parker. You can follow Will Terry at willterry.com, Lee White at leewhiteillustration.com, and I'm over at mrjakeparker.com. Podcast produced by Daniel Tu. That's danieltu.co, his website. Uh, Keeper of the curriculum, Austin Shirtlift for our foundations courses. You can take over at svslearn.com. Show notes wrangler, Lily Howell. And uh, if you ever have a question or you want to dig in a little bit deeper on this episode, go check out those show notes. She does a great job with that. And then our chief operations officer who makes sure that the bills get paid and the lights stay on is Lisa Fott. So thank you, all you people. Now, go draw something. Bye.